This episode, this very first episode of Locked on Kraken is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. We haven't played a game yet, but the word is already out that we've got some you know, crazy passionate fans and uh, we can't wait to start playing hockey in front of them. You are Locked On Kraken. Your daily podcast on the Seattle Kraken. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We are the Seattle Kraken. What's cracking, hockey fans? Erica Lindsay Ayala here. I will be your host of the new Locked On podcast, Locked On Kraken. We are officially debuting today, July 1st, and I am excited to be your voice on the Locked On network. I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself and my timeline for becoming your host. We're going to walk through the Seattle Kraken timeline, and later in the show, we're going to hear about the twoest, the twoest, the two newest acquisitions to the Seattle Kraken, that being JT Brown, who will serve as the analyst for the TV broadcast, and we will also hear a little from the press conference announcing the first ever head coach in Seattle Kraken history, Dave Haxtell. I was able to speak to JT Brown, so you'll hear some of that interview later in the show, and I participated in the press conference for Dave Haxtell and also got to ask him a question, so we will hear a little bit of that as well. Uh, So about me. Again, my name is Erica Lindsay Ayala. I'm going on seven years of covering ice hockey and um, about seven years transitioning into sports journalism. I have been an athlete. I was a Division I college athlete growing up. Went to school in North Carolina at a little small private school called Elon University. Um, But from there, and even in college, I was doing a lot of work in the nonprofit space and advocacy, advocacy, child advocacy space. So talking about things like education and healthcare and stuff like that, but stayed a sports fan like all of you, right? When women's hockey came to New York, which is where I'm from, I uh, have a younger sister who got really into hockey. Uh, during the 2014 Olympics and watched both the women's and men's national team compete in those Olympics. It was very dramatic in Sochi for both teams. And um, she wanted to get into hockey, but wasn't into sports. So I was like, all right, Jessie, that's my sister. We're going to do this. And I took her to a hockey game. And it was the, at the time, the New York Riveters, they were hosting the Boston Pride in the National Women's Hockey League. And uh, I tell this story a lot, but I'll, I'll save it maybe for the full story and maybe we'll get this person on. But uh, one of the first players that I noticed on the ice was Blake Bolden, who is now a scout with the Los Angeles Kings and was just announced that she's a part of the ESPN deal and NHL coverage for uh, ESPN. So stick taps to Blake Bolden. But um Blake is the first player that really stood out to me 
and it was kind of, you know, just enjoying the ride since then. At the end of that first NWHL season, I was presented with the opportunity to start talking about the National Women's Hockey League on, you know, independent podcasts or write some stuff for blogs, and I really liked it. And I guess people liked what I was doing because the opportunities kept coming. By the next year, I got to fill in as a color analyst for the National Women's Hockey League, um, the New York Riveters. I was an analyst there, and then from season three on, I've been calling games for the National Women's Hockey League. I've called games and served as a rinkside reporter for the Riveters. I am the analyst for the Connecticut Whale and for the Boston Pride, who just won the Isabel Cup. So uh, now I'll flash forward on the timeline a little bit here. Um, but first, let's let's talk about um, the Seattle Kraken, right? This is a locked on Kraken, so we should probably get into the actual team. As I'm sure all of you diehards know, In December of 2018, the Board of Governors of the National Hockey League officially approved expansion to Seattle. And in case you didn't hear it the first time, here's the official announcement. Good afternoon, everyone. Today is an exciting day for the National Hockey League. I am delighted to announce that this morning, the Board of Governors unanimously approved a plan of expansion that will bring a National Hockey League team to Seattle, Washington, to play beginning in the 2021-2022 season. Seattle, the NHL is thrilled to welcome you. So now, uh In December of 2018, there's no team name yet. It's just NHL Seattle. A lot of people I don't know appreciated this kind of almost salmon pink. I really liked it uh, for NHL Seattle. So NHL Seattle, by the next year, by July of the next year, hires their general manager. And that, of course, being Ron Francis. Now, I'm not going to hit on everything on the timeline. We have time. We have a few weeks that we can do all of that, and we will get into um, not only Seattle Kraken history, but hockey in Seattle history. So we're going to get into all of that. But Ron Francis joins NHL Seattle in July of 2019. By that September, by that September, NHL Seattle announces that they will have their AHL team in Palm Springs. Now, I want to put an asterisk there because there's some new news that we got. For those who may not know, just this week, it was announced that the Seattle Kraken will partner with the Florida Panthers and their team in North Carolina. Shout out to North Carolina. I told you earlier, that's where I went to school. But uh, they partnered with the Charlotte Checkers. And actually, Seattle Kraken AHL players will be uh, anywhere from 8 to 12 Kraken players will be with the Checkers for the 2021-22 season. We'll get into a little bit more as to why that is. But um, uh, from there, the next thing that was important for me was that on February 24th, 2020, I got to write my first story for NHL Seattle. Uh, Someone reached out to me and um, 
I was home taking care of my mom's puppos, just like I am now. So if you hear some barking, that's what's going on there. But um, I get a call from a number I don't recognize. I think I was actually podcasting, uh, doing some podcasts. And um, I get a call from a number I don't know, the Bob Condor, who does the content, does the writing for, at the time, NHL Seattle, the website. And they asked me to do a story on Willie O'Ree. As it turns out, I was um, in I was in California. I was on the West Coast because I was working with the NHL Mobile Museum for Black Hockey History and Black History Month. And I got to not only interview Willie O'Ree during that trip for NHL Seattle, but I got to meet him and Blake Bolden, actually. I'll have to post on social, man. <laughs> Willie O'Ree and Blake Bolden took a face-off, and Willie, who, for those who don't know, and you should read my article, I'll post it for you, but uh, he ha- he only has sight in one eye, but man, those hands are fast. He was able to win the draw <laughs> for Bla- from Blake Bolden. He's got a good, what, 50 or so years on her, so I thought that was good times, but that was my first story. So the next time I was able to engage with the Seattle Kraken was in July. I was asked by Bob Condor to be a part of their content team, more more so on the writing side, but to be a part of the team that was going to post some articles. So I did not know that the name Kraken was going to be. I didn't get any of those details, but um, I was there to experience it. And it was fun. It was exciting. Not everyone loves the name Kraken, but I thought the storytelling from the Seattle Kraken was was really great. So that takes us to July 2020. By August, Everett Fitzhugh is named as one of the voices of the Seattle Kraken. Now, at the time, we didn't know if that was going to be radio or television. We know now that it's radio because by January of 2021, Hey, hey, what do you say? John Forslund was named as the TV voice, the play-by-play for the Seattle Kraken. And we also got the announcement in January that Root Sports would be the streaming partner for the Seattle Kraken. Now, that brings us up to present. Uh, There's a few other things that happened, including the signing of Luke Henman. We're going to get to that later on in the show. But um, coming up next on Locked on Kraken, we're going to hear from JT Brown, who on June 21st became the second person to be announced for the TV broadcast. So JT Brown announced his retirement and that he will be joining the Seattle Kraken broadcast team on the same day, Monday, June 21st. And we got to speak to JT on that very day. Uh, This is a phone conversation. So coming up next, you'll hear my interview with JT Brown. But first, let me take you over to our good partners, betonline.ag. We know that uh, the NHL Stanley Cup Playoff, the Stanley Cup final is underway. Excuse me. The NBA playoffs are underway. And Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Everything from Major League Baseball, National Basketball Association, the National Hockey League, and UFC MMA action, you can find all of it there. So, before, whether it's the next pitch, the next face off, go 
over to betonline.ag. You can use your laptop, you can use your mobile device, and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. You don't want to sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50%, 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. I spoke to JT Brown. I was coming back from a trip uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and JT and I were able to connect. I think we had a great conversation, and towards the end of the interview, JT shares what he's most excited to do once him and the family officially move to the Seattle area. Here's my interview with JT Brown. Okay, well, JT Brown, it was announced just today that you will be one of the voices of the Seattle Kraken. Of course, JT, that news came with your re- the announcement of your retirement from professional hockey. Let's just start with, again, first, a congratulations to you and to the family. You're going to be moving to the Emerald City, I presume. What are you feeling right now? Um, it's been, it's been a crazy last, uh, say month or so, um, you know, just deciding when you're, when you're playing, you know, that's all you're really focused on and, you know, to try to think about what's next and moving on to retirement. It, it's a different feeling that you're not quite used to, but, uh, you know, getting to visit Seattle, seeing the city and seeing what the crack and roll about made the decision a lot easier, um, for myself and my family, you know, to make this jump in and change career paths. Yes, indeed. So it is definitely hockey adjacent, but as you mentioned, it is a difference of career path. And that's something that I wanted to to talk to you about as well. Um, you know, I think we've we've seen even in this NHL season that it can be a little bit contentious media relations uh, with players. Um, but then there's also, you know, the, the, the realness that this is a part of the job. But now you're going to be the one in the booth. Uh, along with John calling the game, what are you most excited about and where do you think will be the the highest learning curve for you? Um, I mean, I think I'm just excited to, you know, just join this new market to be alongside John. You know, obviously a lot of firsts are going to be happening this year for uh, the Seattle Kraken organization. So to be a part of that's going to be pretty special. And, you know, I think the, the biggest learning curves, you know, at least from what I think these could change, you know, game one, but um, I feel like, you know, just getting the flow and the timing down on the broadcast side, I feel like I'm a pretty knowledgeable person when it comes to hockey. I don't think I would have made it as far as I did if I wasn't. So as far as the hockey side, I feel pretty comfortable on, um, you know, it's just learning the, the little intricacies of broadcast, you know, that just take the time and, and the repetitions that, uh, you know, we're going to be working towards. Mm, yeah, absolutely. That's definitely something to get down. And you mentioned firsts. I mentioned that I, uh, as we were coming uh online here for this interview that I've already interviewed Chanel Keenan. As I joked with you, she gets uh, the honors of being the first ever ho- uh, guest on Locked on Kraken. So you'll be number two. But um, <laughs> but um, Seattle has made a lot of waves as far as firsts. And I would love to talk with you about having black announcers 
so you join Everett Fitzhugh, and I come from the women's hockey space. We've seen Sarah Nurse in Canada do some analysis. We've seen Blake Bolden join some broadcasts. But we still aren't seeing very many people of color and black people calling games regularly uh, like an Anson Carter. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, just being able to bring a little bit more uh, diversity into the, the booth and, and to the announcer role? I mean, I, I definitely think it's awesome, and, you know, it's a definitely a, a significance. You know, I just hope that, you know, maybe by seeing me, there'll be more people that will continue to follow their dreams, and whether that's playing hockey or getting into broadcast and, you know, just enjoying the love of the game of hockey. But, you know, you can just hope that maybe, you know, seeing more representation is going to hopefully make a difference and continue to grow the game. Yes, indeed. And I also mentioned offline your support of Black Girl Hockey Club, which is an organization that does just that. I was able to co-host their Juneteenth panel. So not only are we talking about hockey, but also history. And um, Bryant McBride said something very interesting on that panel. Um, and I'll paraphrase it for you. But he broke down the history of uh, Renaissance movements in the United States, particularly coming from communities of color in the Black community. And Bryant felt that hockey could be that next renaissance akin to, I was just, uh, I'm traveling, I was just in Tulsa, so Black Wall Street, akin to the Harlem Renaissance in Harlem, New York, where I'm from. And I wanted to ask you this question going off of what Bryant was saying, because you're also from and have, you know, you have a lot of roots in Minnesota. And we've seen somewhat of this reckoning because of the unfortunate events that have happened in Minnesota over the years, but of course, with the killing of George Floyd. Do you agree with Bryant, though, that hockey can serve to be almost this balm and this renaissance uh, for the next wave of uh, marginalized communities to really find their way economically, socially, um, mentally, emotionally? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with him. I think that's, that's always the goal. And I think the steps that the NHL as a whole and you know, specifically the steps that the Kraken are doing um, is one of the first steps to get to that point. And I think, you know, it's not necessarily going to happen overnight, but I feel, you know, I feel that there's a lot of good people in hockey that are making the right moves. And again, that's why I'm proud and happy to be a part of the Kraken organization with the things that they're doing uh, in regards to diversity. Yes, for sure. We definitely look forward to that. But now that the Seattle Kraken is official, they've brought you on. They've got other announcers, and of course, have have the big the big sign is that they cut that check to the NHL. So now everything is Gucci. So we're we're moving forward, but we're heading ex straight into the expansion draft, and then of course the entry draft or amateur draft. So I know you were a player that was undrafted, but I I know that you've integrated players that have come through uh, the entry draft in particular but what are those drafts like from a player perspective and what are you most excited about when it comes to being able to do some analysis for those two drafts when it comes to the seattle kraken in particular um well i mean when you say about the analysis i feel like that's where you know my strong suit can come in and i can thrive in that situation um but as far as the players i mean it's all excitement uh you know they're they're still young in the, the scheme of things but you know they've worked very hard to get themselves to this point so 
again, it should be a pat on the back one to just get to this point. And then once you're drafted again, and you know where you may be going or what organization you're going to be with. And, you know, it's just a special moment for them. And obviously at that point, you know, it's a pat on the back, but it's right back to work. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll I'll, I'll throw this to you. I'm sure you're not going to give us the name of who's going to go number two in the entry draft. But if you think about this, by the time we get to the amateur draft, the Seattle Kraken will have already gone through the expansion draft. What do you think makes a solid choice at a number two pick? Do you need someone that's NHL ready off the bat? Do you have time to develop that person? Is there a particular position in mind? You know, let's let's see what you got JT what what's your analysis on that situation <laughs> um I mean obviously you'd love to to find a player that's NHL ready uh, right away uh, but you know not every player will progress the same way um I just look at even from a standpoint of myself I would not have been ready to play in the NHL uh in my after my draft year um but so I think there's a lot of things that go into it but it also you know you have to see who you know, in the expansion draft you have, what type of players you're sort of setting yourself up uh, based on who you've already chosen with what you want to do in uh, the regular draft. So I think there's many ways you could go about it, but I don't think that uh, there's really a wrong way. Yeah, for sure. And JT, as we start to wrap up, just finally, um, have you been able to head out to Seattle um, since, you know, going through the process? And, uh, you know, what are some of your favorite things to, to do or what will be some of your favorite things to do individually or as a family, you think, once you head out to the Pacific Northwest? Uh, we have, well, my wife and I, not the kids, they stayed home, but uh, my wife and I were able to visit uh, we love the city. I mean, that was sort of the, the icing on the cake, so to speak, when we were, uh, you know, making our decision, you know, where we see the city, see where we'd be, see the rink, um, which was awesome, by the way. Uh, so just being in Seattle was awesome to be able to see that. But I think the big thing for us would be food. I like food. <laughs> yes. and I like restaurants. So we did get a little bit of that, a little taste of that, but I'm sure – there will be a lot more, um, a lot more restaurants for us to try and to get to to know some of the local food spots. Oh well, you and I are the same there, my brother, because food definitely is is the way to win over myself. But you know, Seattle is a perfect place for that, um, and it seems like Climate Pledge Arena will also be unique in that sense as well so until we get to hear you on the call until we get to see you in seattle jt brown thank you so much for joining us on locked on kraken podcast thanks for having me so coming up next we're going to uh talk about what the expansion draft is we're going to uh give you some dates to know but you're also going to hear a little bit from the head coach of the Seattle Kraken, Dave Haxtell. Now I know, and I talked about this on Locked on NHL for Monday's show. You should go check that out. Um, but um, a lot of people uh, were not too thrilled to see that it was Haxtell 
was tapped. But I also listened to, I guess last week on Locked On NHL, I believe the, the guys on Friday were talking about this. And the thing that's great about Haxtell is that he is revered for his ability to develop players. So I want to take you to that press conference and hear, you're going to hear Ron Francis and Dave Haxtell talk a little bit about that. And then I asked Dave, if he's given any thought to how he's going to develop or if he is going to um, receive development from his assistant coaches. Coming up next on Locked on Kraken. Now, rockauto.com is a family-owned business. I love saying this when I host the Locked On Women's Basketball Podcast because I'm all about a a strong family business, but rockauto.com helps save you time and money. And that is because they are able to supply any kind of parts that you need for your vehicle for the do-it-yourselfer. And they always have reliably low prices for every customer. And they have everything you could ever need for your vehicle. We're talking brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solutions to your auto part needs. So we're asking you now to go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And then you're going to type locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. I started getting into some of the important dates that we're going to need to know as we follow the Kraken ahead of the expansion draft. So I mentioned Luke Luke Henman, the only player in franchise history as of right now, but he's going to get some company and it's coming soon because the expansion draft is July 21st. But before that, on the 17th, the protection lists from all of the other NHL teams, save for the Las Vegas Golden Knights, those are due on the 17th. So you bet we're going to be talking about that, and we're going to bring on some other locked-on NHL experts to help us. Uh, And then two days after the expansion draft, we have the first round of the entry draft or the amateur draft. Now, if you haven't seen over on Locked on NHL, we have done a mock draft. And uh, I don't know, you might have to wait until tomorrow's show or you could just go on social media now. But on tomorrow's show, I'm going to break down a little bit more about the upcoming expansion draft, the upcoming entry draft, and who I think the Seattle Kraken should take with their number two pick. So those are some of the dates. We're gonna, again, we have time. We're gonna build up to all of that. But now let me take you to Ron Francis talking about his pick of Dave Haxtell. And then next you'll hear from Dave himself uh, about taking this role. He called it a dream come true, really looking forward to the opportunity to have a second chance. Thank you so much for joining me for this first episode of Locked on Kraken. I've been so excited to get this show off the ground. So stick taps to the Locked On Podcast Network. I have to give Sean Woodley a shout out. He's been fantastic. He helps me on the Locked On women's basketball side of things uh, with the NBA channel and now has really helped usher me in and feel welcome as I now host my solo show, Locked On Kraken. And this is your daily podcast for all things Kraken. But we're going to close out this show 
having you here from Ron Francis and Dave Haxtell. And I will see you tomorrow on Locked on Kraken. When we're looking for a head coach, there were certain things we wanted. We wanted somebody that had experience, uh, sort of been a head coach in, in the NHL before. There's so many things going, learning the players, learning the teams, learning systems, and, and quite frankly, the pace of the NHL is unlike anything else. So you wanted somebody who's been through that and experienced that. Um, we wanted somebody that had good hockey acumen, that understood systems and, and how to play in all three different zones. And if we had to tweak things, we could do that along the way. We wanted somebody who could communicate that message uh, very clearly and very concisely to our players. And, uh, you know, the last thing is we wanted to find an individual who we genuinely felt cared about the players and wanted them to reach their potential. And uh, when we went through the interview process, the guy that we're hiring checked all of those boxes continually. So um, without further ado, I would like to introduce the first ever head coach of the Seattle Kraken, Dave Haxtell. Wow, that's uh, that's quite an awesome uh, introduction, um, and uh, and I can say, uh, you know, this this is a dream that uh, has come true. This is a, an awesome uh, thing to be uh, a part of, and to have the opportunity uh, to join these two gentlemen up here today. And we, you know, you start the process. You put together a, a long list of names that you think are potential candidates, and. Um, we did start doing some interviews uh, last summer, um, so and Dave was part of that process that we interviewed last summer, and, and then we had uh, more interviews with him as we moved along throughout the process to finally making our decision. I have to be honest; it's something that I had thought about, but it wasn't. It was never something that was uh, uh, that was a clear-minded goal of mine. Uh, I came out of a, um, you know a minor league playing career, and. Uh, there was an opportunity uh, that was pro provided to me, uh, you know, a little bit unexpected uh, at a strange time of the year by a former coach of mine, Gino Gasparini. He was the, uh, he was the uh, commissioner at the time of the USHL. It was not part of my plans for that immediate time of my life, uh, but the opportunity arose. Uh, and, uh, you know, as I look back on it, what an unbelievable opportunity it was to go to Sioux City and work with great people there. Um, everywhere you go and every step of the way, uh, for me personally, I think for most people involved in the game, there are people that become very important in your, in your development, not only professionally as a coach, but also uh, life-wise. And I had that opportunity uh, immediately in Sioux City and every step of the, long, every step of the way along from, from that point forward. Dave, how would you... How would you or how would you describe the the Philadelphia experience from your standpoint and why it didn't work out there? First of all, it was a, it was a great experience. I had the opportunity. I've talked about you know people that we've had the opportunity to work with, and um, I can name you know obviously a long list of people uh, within the organization. There, Hex was phenomenal, um, and and a ton of really good people to uh, to work with. Um, you know, as I as I look back at the experience uh, in Philadelphia. You know, our challenge there was um, really transitioning a roster to, you know, not just a roster, but really the depth of the organization, uh, you know, to a, you know, to a younger group uh, that would be uh, sustainable over time from within the organization and, and be able to create long-term success. And, you know, we had a lot of successes uh, in some, in the areas that, that we were working at in terms of uh, the transition of younger players, not only into the to the National Hockey League roster, 
but also throughout the uh, you know throughout the organization, we're able to uh, maintain you know the opportunity to, to to be a playoff team two out of the four years that I was there. And you know, bluntly, when I look back at it, um, you know, I'll, I'll back up a year, uh, seventeen, eighteen. Uh, we had a stretch, you know, as we were injecting more and more youth into into the team, and partway through it, we had a stretch run. Uh, I think it was in maybe November, uh, late November. Uh, we went a stretch where it was difficult to win games, and it, and it gets tough in this league when you don't, you know, when you don't win games for a while. I think we went, you know, a stretch of uh, close to ten games uh, where all we had was shootout losses and you know a few points to show for it, but. You learn and you grow from it, and we had a great leadership group uh, with that group. Uh, we got that leadership group together uh, as we came on a western road swing, actually. Uh, and if I, if I remember this correctly, that was right at the beginning of December. Uh, that group believed in themselves. They believed in what they were doing. Uh, and that rough patch turned out to be a great opportunity for development for our team. And I think that team from that point went forward uh, nearly a 700 clip to, to become a playoff team. Um, you know, so that was a challenging stretch uh, that turned out to be a great developmental opportunity for our team. Uh, the following year, you know, we came to that, we, we came to another difficult stretch. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there are foundational things that you have to be able to fall back on. And, and, you know, that's some of my takeaways as I look at that. We had a great opportunity for another great developmental step with an even younger team. Uh, and we weren't able to take advantage of that. So, you know, my takeaways are, you know, the, the details, the foundations. Uh, you can never take enough time and do enough work uh, on, on those areas so that as you hit a rough patch, you have, you have those things to fall back on. Erica Ayala. Thank you all, and uh, congratulations to you, Coach. Uh, this question will be for you, um, Erica Ayala with Locked On Kraken Podcast. I wanted to ask you a little bit about your philosophy when it will come to building out your coaching staff. You've obviously been on coaching staffs. You've been a head coach before, but uh, given some of the things that you said you'd like to um, take from your last experience, I'm, I'm just curious how you hope to build out your staff. Will you be uh, kind of focused on what they can add um, to your growth and development or vice versa? I think there's different levels that uh, that come into play in filling out the staff, and it's a it's a very important question. It's a very important process. Um, there's you know there's obviously the pieces of uh, uh, you know the the detail of the game and the systems of the game. Uh, you know when it comes down to special teams, power play, penalty kill, uh, and and different aspects in that nature. But there's also a side of um, you know of uh, helping us build the right culture and. Uh, as a staff, uh, you know, that's going to be something that we talk about uh, on a daily basis. So there's a lot more to it than just, uh, you know, the skill of, as I said, running a power play, running a penalty kill, uh, running the D, working with the forwards day in and day out. Um, you know, there's, there's, a, there's that human aspect, uh, and we want to have a complete, very well-rounded staff in that regard, and that's something that we'll work hard to, as, as I answered before. Uh, we want to, you know, do it quickly, but more importantly, we want to make sure we uh, we get it right. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Burkowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport 
with the help of our local experts. I've been on with Peter a few times. He's a great guy. Love the show. Highly recommend that you follow Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts.